Andrew and Tyler here with episode 14. Episode, it is the 14th. 14. It's December. It, it is December. Are we, we going to talk about the fact that there's less than a full month in the entire year 2020? I mean, 2020 felt like it took, you know, three years. 20 years. And then 2021, like, we're already at the end. It's, it's done. Dude, I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm behind on my Christmas shopping now. Yeah. Because I didn't jump on it on Black Friday. Yeah. It's crazy. This year's just flown by. It's insane. And I think each year will just go by even quicker. Well, time flies when you're having fun. I didn't even realize this was episode 14. Yeah. Yeah. Week, uh, what week are we in? I guess week 13 of the NFL season. Yeah. Week 13. Starts, you know, tonight. We have like a month left of regular season football. I think I think there's two regular season weeks in January. Yeah. January 9, though. Okay. Like the okay, last okay, okay. week. So, yeah, five weeks. Yeah. Essentially coming you know as of sunday it'll be five more weeks of football that's crazy a little bit yeah that is crazy it's already we're coming down to the wire already with the holidays the holidays are like that time where you're just like oh football's ramping up mm-hmm. and then we're all busy shopping yeah <laughs> so how was thanksgiving dude mine was awesome yeah my brother and i drove up to parents house up in uh up in prosper just spent like the whole day up there you know obviously feasted we started like we started eating at like halftime of the cowboys game mm-hmm. uh but i mean yeah it was a good time up there they got a brand new house so we actually spent some time moving things around you know but you, it, like you got to do with a new house there's boxes everywhere but yeah everywhere unpacking. i should say yeah yeah what about yours how was your thanksgiving so this was the first year in a while where it, we split it up amongst two families normally we would do them all on the same day oh wow we did them on thanksgiving it was like a noon and then a 6 p.m it would be like a two and like a six oh that's a that's a tight turnaround yes it is impossible well especially if you stuff yourself at two you you can't even eat which you normally do because you don't eat exactly you're anticipating eating and Mm -hmm. you're like man how much can i eat later or do i just do dessert later (laughs) Mm, maybe Wait till maybe go over there at like six and eat at like seven or eight. Yeah, so, know. so how'd you guys do it this year? We split it up on two days, so we went Thursday and Saturday. Okay. So, not there was no dinner eaten on Thursday night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you ate dinner at like four. Yes, like yeah. we ate, and that was like we kind of just looked at each other after, and like that night, we're like, nah, I ain't hungry. Nope, <laughs> ain't happening. And then, yeah, mixed in between was a little football, mm-hmm. a little football on Friday, and then more Thanksgiving on Saturday, and then watching more football on Sunday, and calling it a day, which, by the way, the Saturday football games were phenomenal while eating some more Thanksgiving <laughs> food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The college games were awesome. You know, and, I, and I've, I've said a couple of times to you it's like hey i don't really watch college football i tell you what i tuned in the past week and i'm glad i did it was i am glad i did it was the last week of the season rivalry week and it was it was a lot of fun to watch a lot of good games a lot of close games michigan knocking off ohio state for the first time under harbaugh dude it's been a decade yeah that was crazy i didn't realize it's been that long Yeah, 2011 was the last time that they won god that's insane i mean realistically they had an argument that they should have won a couple years ago Mm mm-hmm but this is the first time that they have won in 10 yes. years. And then Bedlam was awesome. And I think it's only the third time that they've won since 2000. Uh, Yeah. That I think being it Michigan. Was, 
Like yeah, Ohio State right. has dominated since Sweater Vest. Yeah. It was like 01 and then like 08 and then 2011. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And then this year. Yeah, it's been three times in 20 years or whatever. That's crazy. And now Michigan's number two. Yeah. If they take care of business against Iowa, they're in the playoff for the first time under Harbaugh. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. I never thought Michigan would be in this position <laughs> at the yeah. beginning of the year. Oh, yeah. Well, especially, you know, there's the COVID shortened last year where teams didn't really play out of conference. Mm-hmm. Michigan went two and five. Yeah. In the seven games that they played last year. Yeah. All conference games. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about, you want to talk about, you know, comeback team of the year. Yeah. And then Cincinnati's in line to maybe, maybe pull off the miracle. So there, there are two scenarios that are horrible for Cincinnati. And if they both happen, I predict that Cincinnati's out. I don't think they make the top five, the top four. If Alabama beats Georgia, mm-hmm. both of them are top five, top four. Yeah. And if Oklahoma State rolls the Big Twelve championship game, yeah, they just I'm worried about Cincinnati Baylor. staying at four. Yeah. Yeah, I would worry too. What I hate though is why would why would you then put Cincinnati at four if you're just gonna knock them out? You know what if I mean? If you remember, TCU was number four. Oh, I know. And they won by like forty-five. It was fifty-two. They won by they won by an extra touchdown than what I thought. Yeah. And they got dropped. And so you nobody, n- not even Georgia, nobody is safe. If Georgia gets shut out seventy-five to nothing by Alabama, <laughs> well, not, they might not make the top four. They're not going to give up seventy-five to Bama. <laughs> but but if if Georgia Alabama goes to overtime, and Georgia wins. Bama might still get in. They would have a case. Like, there's no guarantee that if Bama loses to Georgia that they're out. I like Cincinnati in if Bama loses. Yes. Or if Oklahoma State loses. But if both Bama and Oklahoma State win, I think Cincinnati's in trouble. And to be honest, I don't even want to put Michigan in yet. They got to they got to beat Iowa. Like Iowa's not good, but Iowa, they're weird. Iowa started so hot. They're a weird team. They will they will get you on special teams and defense, and all of a sudden you're like, why are we in a game? Well, and what I was going to say about the Michigan-Iowa matchup is that Michigan cannot just out-athlete Iowa right. the way that Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia, sometimes they win games just because they have better athletes. Like, Michigan has to outplay Iowa to win that game. Yeah, because Iowa's a smart team. They can't just run them off the field. They have a terrible offense, but my God, if they just don't stay in games. I mean, they were defense. ranked number two like six weeks ago. Yeah. Now, this was not obviously the college football playoff committee ranking. Right, the AP poll. But, th- you know, remember when, when they hosted Penn State and it was number two versus number three? Like, yeah. It's not like Iowa's a nobody. Yeah. I, I, think, I think the only thing that is certain is that at least one AC team, one SEC team is getting in, yeah. and no Pac-12 team is getting in. Those are the only two things that are That's certain. For certain. Nothing else is certain. And I and I think Cincinnati, if they get in, there's no way they move up. Unless exactly. Bama and Michigan lose. And even then, they maybe only move up to three, which then at least you avoid Georgia. But I think they're in line to play Georgia because there's no way the committee is going to be like. Well, they're in line to play whoever wins the SEC championship game. Because right, if Alabama right. beats Georgia, Alabama's going to jump to one. Right. Because and, because they are not going to put Alabama Georgia two three and no. have them rematch each other the following game. <laughs> right. That's not happening. 
Which one of them will be number one. By the way, I was I, I wanted Oklahoma State to win last week, but part of me wanted Oklahoma to win so we could have had a rematch this week. Like if Oklahoma had won, they would have played each other again. <laughs> that's right. That's leagues. right. And I was like, yeah. oh man, that'd be awesome. <laughs> but no, nah, not happening. And Notre Dame's just kind of sitting there like, well, we're here, but we're not playing. And now we don't have a coach. I don't think that there is, weird. I don't think there's any scenario that Notre Dame gets in the playoff. I, I, I don't think, I don't think it's, ha- I don't think it's possible. If, if Michigan and Bama lose, I think they're in for sure. You think they're in yeah. if, if Michigan they're, and Bama, they're I think too big of a brand. The problem is I think a two loss Bama gets in over Notre Dame. They're too big of a brand. Well, then maybe they both get in. Well, but well, it depends what Oklahoma state does, I guess, but yeah, I mean that, that's the thing is like you would need four teams ahead of them to lose and then they have an argument. But I think I think a two loss Alabama gets in. I think two loss Ohio State should be ranked ahead of Notre Dame. Or maybe Cincinnati loses to Houston. Like the 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 highest. You know you know what Notre Dame's best win of the season is. Uh, wait. Let me think. Pitt. They play Pitt this year. Purdue. That is the best team that Notre Dame beat this year. They didn't play Pitt. No. No. Notre Dame also beat Wisconsin. But they needed Wisconsin to like run the table and make it to the Big Ten championship game for that game to mean anything. But it doesn't. And they almost lost to Florida State week one. Yes. And they got trounced by Cincinnati, who people are like... And, and Notre Dame was at home against Cincinnati. Like, yeah. I, I don't think that there is a single, a single way that games well, will go that Notre Dame gets in the top four. Yeah, that's what we said in 2014 when TCU won by 52. No, no, no. It's different, though. <laughs> because, well... But it's the brand of Ohio State, yes, and it's the brand of Notre Dame. But th- no, no, no. But that, that will get them in. No, if if it's if it's a tiebreaker, Notre Dame will win any tiebreaker because of the brand. Not if the tiebreaker is against Bama or Ohio State. Well, Ohio State's not going to make it. You say that, but well, what's Ohio State ranked right now? Like seven, but they already have. But they're not playing. They have two losses. It would it would have to be total chaos for Ohio State to be considered. It would have to be total chaos for Notre Dame to even be considered. A little bit. But I don't but I don't even think that when you review them, they're not making the top four. Like, they shouldn't. I agree. Cincinnati would have to lose, Oklahoma State would have to lose, Michigan would have to lose, and Bama would have to lose convincingly. And even if all four of those things happen, I still don't think Notre Dame gets in. Well, in in theory, even if Cincinnati loses, they should be in over Notre Dame. Yes. In theory. But but that but no, but that's exactly my point is that one of the four teams that they could jump, they can't jump. And they might get jumped by mm. Ohio State. Because this committee does ridiculous things. Yeah, it's kind of dumb. Because in my my opinion, whatever your top four is going into that championship week, it's theirs to lose. If they win, they should be in. Because you're saying you're the top four this week. Yeah. You go win. You take care of business. You should be in. You control your destiny. Right. And they don't do that all and, the time. Well, and that's going to be a phrase that I use later is control your own destiny. Um, but yes, I, I agree with you. That's how it should be. Yeah. But that's not how it is. As we saw with TCU, yeah, that was the first year of the playoffs, yeah, right? That was the dumbest thing ever. And by the way, the committee got validated that playoff because what happened? Yeah. Ohio state rolled through the both teams that they played. Zeke looked like the best college football player of the week. It was just lucky. It happens though. It's like, it was like UCLA last year in the basketball tournament. They were one of the last teams in, and they went to the Final Four. Yeah. It's like you just feel that sense of relief and that 
there's no pressure like it's momentum right it's we shouldn't even be here maybe but, yeah so let's just go play yeah and then you do and then you make a run and it's crazy and chaos i just i don't think that there is a single scenario that ends up with notre dame in the top four because i think that I there's think there i think that there's two two lost teams that will get put in ahead of them and if cincinnati loses they'll still get in ahead of them but it's weird because they won't have their coach so well and that <laughs> and, and in my opinion that, that is going to like you say that ohio state doesn't they're not doing anything this week so they can't jump them they might jump them on that alone <laughs> yeah because they still have a coach like i just i don't see notre dame having a chance well i hope that's the case because i can't stay in notre dame can't stay in ohio state and we might not have either of them or bama in the playoff how crazy is that all three of them might miss but they won't all miss all three of them individually might miss. There is no shot that all three of them are not in. I don't know. No shot. I think if Bama loses they would, and Oklahoma State wins, I think that's Bama the Bama would have to lose convincingly and Oklahoma State would have to win convincingly. I'm, I'm not convinced Whoa. that if Bama loses in overtime and Oklahoma State wins in overtime, that that's enough for them to jump Bama. The committee does change every couple of years, so we'll see how much they value a conference championship because Oklahoma State would have that over they Bama. They haven't really put that high on this on the... Uh, right, but we'll see this year. The criteria in the past. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. All, I mean, hey, this is the first committee that has even put a group of five team in the top four. Right. Man, so I'm you know i'm so hard cincinnati yeah I want me them too to get in. yeah i totally want them to lose by 30 to georgia i i i just want them to have a chance yes and then i want them in a perfect world they let's just say they play georgia they're down by seven they go on the drive they tie statue the statue of liberty statue <laughs> of liberty play boise that up. philly special boise that whatever up. that two-point conversion play the cowboys ran <laughs> where they flipped it to zeke like late. oh yeah yeah you remember that uh with the option yes the option play it was the option and then a flip yeah it was a double triple option it was like a handoff option play. Yes. yeah yes i want them to like I want them to replicate the Boise Statue of Liberty play. Like okay. player for player, jersey for jersey, replicate it, and then like have a Boise banner up on the sideline like, this is for you. Yeah. <laughs> As they celebrate a two-point conversion to win. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the best. Oh, I'm so rooting for that. Unfortunately, we'll I feel like they'll just get killed uh, yeah yeah they'll they'll be outclassed that has like 34 to 10 written all over it <laughs> but you never know that's why you play the games that is the game is not played on paper no it is not i think they play it on the field but i'm not sure you know i've, I've heard that they, <laughs> they do to be fair i've never seen it in person yeah college football game being played on the field well, so i went to one a couple weeks ago you know what? I did go to the Alamo Bowl when Michigan was in it like 15 years ago. So I guess I have seen one. Did they play Texas that year? No. Or was that the Holiday Bowl? I can't remember. They did play Texas like in 04. No. Nah, no, nah, it was... We went to San Antonio for the oh, game. Oh, okay. I don't know. But yeah, that was crazy. Crazy Saturday. And then... What day was it when... I guess it would have been Sunday was when all the rangers breaking news happened was that sunday afternoon um in terms of when they were coming to agreements with yeah, players yeah that sounds right marcus Semyon was first yep john gray was second and cole calhoun was third i think actually cole calhoun was first 
Okay. In terms of like, but I don't really okay, count yeah, him yeah. as a, I don't count him as a big signing. Right. But they they did agree to a contract with him, and that's a one year and then a club option for a second year type contract. Yeah. I want to say it was Sunday afternoon. Semyon news broke. He signs for seven for one seventy five. Yep. And so that really got the radar up that the Rangers are... They mean business. Yeah. They're at least trying to back up what they've been talking about. Yeah. Which is spend, spend, and spend. They've committed $561 million in a week. In like two days. That's the biggest (laughs) single off season in MLB history. Yeah. And they did it, to your point, they agreed to terms with all four of these players within 48 hours. Yeah. And... The, the the most amazing part of it is that Corey Seager might be like on a short list with Bryce Harper as the two best free agents that have been on the market in 10 years. Yeah. They got him. He's big time. They got Corey Seager. And Marcus Simeon, oh, I don't know if you guys, you know, many people probably don't really follow non-Rangers that much that live in this Metroplex. Marcus Simeon, the last two full seasons, 2019, Played all 162 games, third place MVP. That was when he was with Oakland. And he was still a shortstop. Yeah. He plays second base last year for the Blue Jays, plays all 162 games, wins the gold glove, Mm -hmm. third place MVP. Right. Like this is a guy who is at the top of his game and is reliable. So if there's anybody that you can throw that kind of money at, it's that dude. I was, so when he played with Oakland, we've seen him a lot. Yes. Over the years with Oakland. And early on, he was a, atrocious a defensively. nightmare at shortstop. Yes, he was atrocious defensively. He led the league in errors multiple years, I believe. I mean, he was and the shortstop Rugnet Odor. Yeah, it was. I mean, he would he would hit, but he wasn't hitting like this. Correct. Um, but yeah, those those last two years, thirty three home runs, ninety two RBIs, forty five home runs, a hundred and two RBIs last Major year. Major league record for a second baseman. Right. And he had he had hitters around him in front of him, Bo Bichette, um Vlad Jr. Yeah. You know, guys like that help helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I've come around on him these last couple of years because like you said, he plays a lot of games. His you, hitting you has don't gotten be, a lot you're, better. You're not an MVP finalist unless you're a good player. And he and it's not like he's hitting two thirty. He hit two eighty five in twenty nineteen, and then two sixty five this year. So yeah. it's respectable, respectable with big power numbers. And he traded that twenty points of average for twelve extra home runs. Right, like it, it, you know. So it's not like there's a precipitous drop off in his hitting. That's why the twenty points has gone down. Like he's just he's changed his approach a little bit. He does strike out a little bit more, but that's kind of expected because the average goes down, the power goes up. But I absolutely love both of these signings. I love them. Right. I mean, you you can't do better than getting Corey Seager for cheaper than the Mets got Francisco Lindor. Right. Like ten, Corey Se- ten for three twenty five, as opposed to Lindor, who was ten for three forty one. Right. You know, and who knows what Correa is trying to get out there? But I, I'm not even convinced that Correa gets what Seager got. It's I mean, weird that he's still out there. I don't think it is because I think that I think that they were kind of waiting to see one of the other either Story or Seager get the contract. Oh, yeah, I guess and then Story's what, still out there. And then so, what yeah. they were going to do is they were going to say, that's what he got. My guy is 5% better. So mm-hmm. instead of, you know, 30 a year, we want 31.5, right? And so Seager gets 32.5 a year. So they're going to go to a team and say, hey, we want 34.5. Uh, yeah, I think Correa can make that argument. Trevor Story can't. Correct. Um, well, and, and that's the thing. Trevor Story, Marcus Simeon, kind of a toss-up. 
in, yeah. ter- in terms of their value. Yeah. Like, Story's two years younger. He, he plays the better position defensively. But Simeon's the better hitter. Right. And he and he wasn't doing it in the confines of Colorado. Right. So, so I agree. Like, in, in my opinion, Corey Seager's the number one free agent this year. Rangers got him. Marcus Simeon is the number three most valuable free agent this year. Rangers got him. And John Gray is no slouch either. Right. So, yeah. So, they sign Simeon. I'm like, okay, that's nice. But it's not going to do much by itself. Correct. So the next day, it was Monday afternoon, maybe early Monday afternoon, the Corey Seager news breaks, and now I'm like, now they're in business, because now they got two. Yes. You can't really do much with one. Like, one might get some fans to the park, but it's not going to change your standings in Mm -hmm. the the win-loss column. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Simeon alone, if everyone else came back... It's probably worth three to four wins to the team. They go from 60 to 63, 64, right? It's whatever. It's, you know, maybe it helps bring somebody in next year. I don't know. But by itself, didn't didn't do much for me. And so bringing in Seager, who's like top notch, especially when he's healthy. Hopefully he stays healthy. Yeah. Um, And and that's the knock, right? Is is Simeon's available every day. Seager hasn't been the past couple of years. Now, to be fair, this past year, he broke his hand. Right. Which, you know, that's fluke type injury. It's not like a hamstring. It's not like a muscular tissue yeah, tissue it's not injury. hurting his oblique. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, to be fair, the reason why he missed games in 2021 was it could happen to anybody. But to your point, like, Seager is that guy that puts the Rangers in the conversation of most improved team going into next year. Yeah, because now they have a formidable three. Yes. A two, three, four in their lineup. Yes. With uh, Adolis Garcia. And I think personally, I think Nate Lowe, who the Rangers traded from the Rays a couple mm-hmm. years ago, I think that because he, he started last year super hot, yeah. looked like an MVP candidate through a month. But when teams realized that's the guy we can't let beat us, right? And they started going after Gallo, and they started going after Adolis Garcia, and they were like, we just we can't let Nate Lowe beat us. Mm-hmm. His numbers dropped off because the approach of pitching to him changed. Now Nate Lowe is at best the third or fourth best hitter in your lineup. All of a sudden, you know, he went from hitting third every day to hitting fifth. Yeah. I think a ton of pressure's off him. I think you're going to see Nate Lowe a better player. I agree. Just in terms of proximity in lineup to Seager, Simeon, and Garcia, you know, and not just, you know, what are these guys going to learn from each other? Yeah. I mean, Simeon is having, he's having one of the most prolific second base offensive stretches in MLB history. Corey Seager's one of the best left-handed hitters in baseball. So and he like, rakes yes. at Globe Life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, going going into the 2021 season, he led. He he was the all time park leader in home runs. Yeah, because of their postseason run in the NLCS in the World Series. That's incredible. And now he's going to be here for the next ten years. By the way, neither of them have an opt out. All right, so they're here. They are here until they're not. And the one thing that listening to the introductory press conferences today, you know, as we record this Wednesday night. Corey Seager mentioned that Marcus Simeon signing moved the needle for him in terms of his interest in the Rangers. Yeah. Because because now now Seager played for Rangers manager Chris Woodward yeah. with the Dodgers. So the Rangers were already in that finalist tier of yeah, they were in the teams high. that had a chance at him. I mean, you know, because 15 teams are going to reach out. Right. But only three or four teams really have a chance. Yeah, the Rangers were one of those four teams. They became the team when they when they signed Simeon. Right. And they got Simeon to be like, hey, yeah, I'll play second 
if mm-hmm. you don't find the shortstop. Well, and today in his press conference, Simeon was calling himself a middle infielder a lot. Uh-huh. He was calling himself a middle infielder, no, and, and, and someone asked him, you know, you've been saying middle infielder a lot. Like, what position do you think you'll play? And he's like, I think I'm playing second. <laughs> but he you is. know that the second that Corey Seager is on the IL yeah. or whatever, you know Simeon's probably going to short. He can, Kiner Falefa can. Well, I but I like if they move Kiner Falefa back to third full-time. Mm-hmm. I love it because now you have gold glove third baseman, gold glove second baseman, Seager at short, low at first. Yeah. I mean, you the Rangers went from a 60-win team to debatably the best infield in baseball. Yeah. They they kind of have a and don't a sleep Braves on Braves infield type. And don't sleep on Cole Calhoun at corner outfield. Yeah, the, that it's low risk uh for what one year 5 million with a second year and option. And it's a club option for year 2. Yeah. Yeah, it's low risk. Uh he didn't I don't know if he was hurt. I saw he didn't have a lot of games played with Arizona last two years. Well, one of those was a pandemic year. Yeah. Um, so I guess he was injured a lot, but leading up to that, he was like a 30 home run guy. The Rangers are one outfielder and one starting pitcher away from a wild card. That's that's how much better they got in in one week. Yeah, because guys in the lineup start to fall into place. Exactly. Like lows. Ex- well, it's like Isaiah Counter-Falefa who... It's like when Elvis was hitting third for the Rangers a few years ago, right? And you're like, I mean, he's a valuable seventh hitter, but he's a he's a, he's wasted in the three hole because mm-hmm. that's just not his skill set. Yeah. All yeah. of a sudden, Kiner Falefa can set that can set you know he just get on base you know because he was even starting to try and hit for more power, and that's not really his game. No, not at all. He kind of got away from what put him on the map with the Rangers. But the the one thing that I'm concerned about specifically is center field. Like, I would Always. like the Rangers to make a move to get a legitimate defensive center fielder. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last few years, they've been, like, flexing Joey Gallo over there, Adolis Garcia, and it's like, yeah. hey, Major League outfielders can catch routine plays. But if you can take the gaps away, if the Rangers can find a guy to take the gaps away, like the Rays are shopping Kevin Kiermeyer. If the Rangers get in on the Kevin Kiermeyer trade mm-hmm. and they get one starting pitcher, and there's a ton of veterans out there like a Zach Granke or a Clayton Kershaw, who you could get in on one on a one or two year yeah. deal for Short not term. a whole lot of investment, they could be a wild card team. They, they could legit go twenty five to thirty wins better just because of the momentum that this gives you. So two things on the center fielder. One, I know they're still hoping Leote Tavares can come around. And defensively, I mean he's not bad. Best case scenario for the franchise is that Leody Tavares right. gets his head out of the sand. And he played really well at AAA last year. When when they sent him down after the beginning of the year, he was terrible. Got sent down. I'm, hit, s- I'm hit sorry, but Ronald Guzman wins every Dominican League MVP award <laughs> right. of every winter league he plays in. I, I don't care how good you are, not at the MLB level. Right. Like At a certain point, the skills have to translate. And this is, in my opinion... Before the trade deadline, if Tavares doesn't figure it out, he's getting shipped like Lewis Brinson. And I thought I thought he looked more comfortable when he came back up at the end of the year. But if it if his hitting just improves a little bit, they'll keep him in there every day to play center field. Yes. But the hitting was just so bad. So that's the probably the key for center field right now. Well the the one question out later. the one question that I have is where does Nick Solak fit in? on this team i think he goes to left field right now yeah for sure i, I think he becomes your everyday left fielder 
and Left probably hit seventh in the lineup. He could DH a little bit. Yeah. If, I mean, because there are going to be some days that, you know, there's a tough righty on the mound and they'll let Cole Calhoun get a start or, you know, when Solak is just not doing great at the plate. I mean, he's still young. Yeah. Like, you're still expecting Solak to become a much better player than what he has been. I mean, if and if they don't put Tavares out there, they could put Calhoun, Solak, and Garcia in your outfield. Yeah, that could be your starting that, that outfield. could be an option. I mean, I would still like to see them get a bona fide guy. Yeah, I agree. Because right now they need that leadoff guy. Man, if you had the leadoff playing center field, yes, that's that's like the ultimate like in, scenario. <laughs> well, I was I was upset, you know, three four years ago when Kevin Pillar was a free agent, and I think he ended up going to the Giants. I really wanted the Rangers to get him because they they've been without a center fielder the entire time. They mm-hmm. have not had a center field. The, the best like prototype center fielder they've had was Craig Gentry. Yeah. And that dude never got a chance to play. Right. Because Leonis Martin was supposed to be next up, but that dude has a five cent head. Yeah. And then Josh Hamilton would play out there. And well, that's the thing though. Josh Hamilton, more of a corner outfielder. Right. You know, flexed in the center was in the prime of his career. It worked. That's kind of what they're doing now still. Yes. With whoever, you know, pretty much every outfielder has played center field. It feels like at some there, point. There is a reason that the Rays win 90 to 100 games every year. And being able to take away the gaps defensively is one of those reasons. Mm-hmm. And a guy like Kevin Kiermaier, if he's available, I'd love to see the Rangers try to make a play for him. So another thing I thought of today was I'd like Joey Gallo as a player, but I think I they, they avoided catastrophe by not signing him oh yeah like because then they they're able to make these deals yes for better players yes probably up more more money but it's still worth it as to soon get these players as soon as rangers fans see marcus simeon and Corey seager in the middle of the lineup they're gonna forget joey gallo ever played for the rangers right because both of these guys are 30 home run 40 home run ish profile players yes and they both hit in the upper 200s yes yeah, not a, the upper 100s seager's a 297 career hitter yes career career and he's one of the best lefty on lefty hitters yes. so he's not a guy that you even have to think about dropping in the lineup against a right. tough lefty he's probably going to be stapled at three yes between Semyon and garcia so the, the matchups won't matter for him and with, I mean, Gallo's a heck of a right fielder. Yeah, he's he's a good defensive. He's a but good defensive player. They also have a heck of a right fielder right now, Adolis Garcia. <laughs> right, and wherever he plays. Yeah, like the, the question he is was a stud last year. Yeah, the the question is, what do they decide to do in the outfield? That that's that's really the only question because right. I'm assuming Solak's just going to slide to left. Yes, he'll be. I I don't left. think I he, don't think that you would trust him in center. I think he I think they tried him a couple of times in center field last year. Um, yeah, I just I don't like the fit. It's I don't a, it's, think he's a natural outfielder. Well, and what I was gonna say, it's a little Delino to Shields to me, right? Where it's it's like you just can he can he do some of the basic things? Yes, but when when you are trying to take the step, especially nowadays, when you're trying to compete with the Dodgers and the Red Sox of the world, like you need to be a well-rounded team without many weaknesses. Yeah. And Solak, I mean, he'll play. Maybe he'll spell semi in a day. Maybe semi in DHs a day. Play some second. Play some left. DH. Whatever. He's kind of like your utility guy. If they don't find a third baseman, because then Connor Falefa can be that. Yeah. Um. I I really hope that they just let Connor Falefa be the third baseman. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. 
Um, he's a heck of a third baseman defensively. He can hopefully relax a little more at the plate, knowing that he's got three hitters. Knowing that, that at the best, load. he's the seventh best hitter in the lineup. Right, yeah. yeah. You just slide him down maybe behind Nate Lowe or something and you know, just let him relax and hit. And honestly, if, if they don't do anything else the rest of this offseason, which is going to be up in the air on what, what's going to go on, I'm kind of okay with it because... You know, you're not going to go from zero to hero in one year. Exactly. You build on it. Yes. And that's where the Semyon thing by himself, I was like, man, they're going to have to, like, play the long game if they just get him. Like, oh, we'll, we'll try to build a little by little, and down the road, hopefully, we have pieces or something. Uh, oh, the second thing with the uh, center field, Tavares. If, like you said, if they want to trade for somebody, the pieces they got back last year, I think it was, was it for Gallo? Or maybe it was Gibson. They got some middle infielders. I believe they were both middle infielders. And so now that they're locked into these guys long term, yeah, those the Rangers could... have tradable assets. Yeah, I mean, they're not like the highest of high prospects, but I think they're nice. They're yeah. nice prospects. It's still guys that other teams will be interested right. in. Right, yeah. Th- those guys can now be tradable over the next couple years. And I mean, if we really want to get down to it, Solak just became expendable. Yeah, if, yeah if, if somebody wants if, to take a If flyer. they don't like what Solak looks like in the outfield next year, he might be gone by the deadline. Yeah, they can trade him to somebody who needs a second baseman. Yeah. I mean, this is this is a project that's going to take a couple more years, but I think it, it's it been expedited yes. <laughs> infinitely yes. with two signings. Yes. Well, really one signing because you get the first one, but it's the second one that counts. And so I think you know, give it two or three years and you might really have something going, especially when the prospects start coming up because you have Jack Leiter and Cole Wynn, two best pitchers in their minor league system. I mean, shoot, in a year, they're probably their two best pitchers on the roster. Maybe. And so I think Cole Wynn will come up next year. We'll see how long it takes well, but Jack beyond to that, get up. You know, Taylor Hearn, Colby Allard, you're talking about guys that have major league experience. Mm-hmm. If either of them takes the next step. Taylor Hearn looked good last year. You got, oh, why am I blanking on his name? The guy, that, the main guy that got back for the Lance Lynn trade who pitched quite a oh, bit for uh, the Rangers. Dane Dunning. Dane Dunning. He yeah. started hot for the Rangers. I mean, you, you're talking about, they are one major league quality starting pitcher away from competing for a wild card next year, from being in this exact same boat that the Blue Jays were last year mm-hmm. that that's like that's how close they are and to your point it takes a little bit of time there was one tweet that i saw and it was it was a still image from the django unchained movie and it was in relation to the Simeon signing and then the seeger signing and it was when uh dicaprio's character is like you had my curiosity <laughs> but now you have my attention yes that's that's what the signings did yeah is you know, Simeon was like you take notice. You kind of you kind of do a double yeah, take. You perk up when when Corey Seager gets signed. You, you turn up. your entire body. <laughs> you start moving in that direction. Like that's the type of pull that yes. the Rangers have right now. Is they're becoming one of the places to be. Yes, because of the guys that you get in the building, and I think that that's a reflection on you know. Because my other takeaway, by the way, is like, oh my God, Chris Young is tall. Yeah, he's Corey Seager six three. Did you see in the press conference? No. Like, but I know he's Seager's, like Seager's like eight. up to the bottom of the dude's lip. Yeah, he's like six eight or something. But I think you know, have, bringing back Chris Woodward, who you know is a recent former player, he has relationships around the league. I think that's why they got Seager. Mm-hmm. And I think that the front office being on the same page with each other, having a consistent vision for the future, like that's how you sell free agents. 
Yep. And next year and the year after, you just try to build a little bit, like not necessarily roster wise, but a little show improvement in the win column. Yes. And as you show that steady improvement, the free agents will start coming in. Yes. Because they'll see like you'll become a destination. Right. And when you can sell somebody like, hey, you're the missing piece. Yep. Guys love that. Yeah. They love the ego part of it. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah, I am that missing piece. I am that starter you need. And yep. then they come in and then you guys make the playoffs. You try to make a run and you know, the rest takes care of itself. So I was doing a little bit of research on teams. Like what, what have their best free agent signings been? What have their worst free agent signings been? And Charlie Morton's name came up for two different teams as their best free agent signing of the last decade. Rays. Yes. And Braves. Yes. <laughs> and dot and Astros actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. so it was, it was three different teams, but like those are the types of players. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, how crazy is this? If Nelson Cruz becomes a free agent after next season, and that dude's still hitting 270 with 30 home runs, you bring him in the DH. I thought he was a free agent this year. Is he right now? I thought I saw his name on a short list of like hmm. notable names still available. There's a pretty long list of notable names. Now, there, there's a short list of names that are looking for big deals. Right. Like the Trevor Story, Carlos Correa. Yeah, he was like the seventh or eighth name listed yeah. after you get past the big ones. I mean, dude, there are some, there are some pitchers out there. There's some good players That are left. not going to get big deals that, you know, if the Rangers have $20 million more in the budget, they could throw it at two of these guys. Yeah. But this is also where the advanced scouting comes in. You kind of try to plan ahead. Who's available yeah. when? What are your what's your plan with the guys coming up? How does that fit in? And I think it's I like th- a big puzzle. I think that a big part of the Chris Woodward hire was for yesterday. It was for Corey Seager because they knew he was a free agent, and they were looking at the Dodgers having brought in guys like Mookie Betts and you know Trevor Bauer on huge contracts mm-hmm. and like they just have they have too many mouths to feed. You can't pay everybody. They knew that the Dodgers were going to let go of some people. like, yeah. and, But it's the sort of thing, you know, it's like, why did the Mavs bring in, I'm blanking on his name, the Nike guy, right? Oh, the, the, the Nico, guy, Nico yes, Harrison. Yes, Nico, Nico Harrison, right? It's like, is it for the first year impact? Maybe, maybe not. No, maybe it's long game. Yes, right? It's like you bring in a guy who's relevant, who has connections to people around the league. You can't grade the guy on year one. Right. And I've, I've loved how Woodward has managed the pitching staff, the type of culture he's trying to create. I've loved everything about his tenure, just that he hasn't really had a lot of talent to work with. He's had no talent to work with. All of a sudden, the Rangers are becoming that team. And let's not They're forget, coming. they have another f- top four pick coming this yes. year in the draft. Yes. So another piece, another piece to add. Maybe an outfielder or something. You know, who knows? Pitcher, whatever. Can't have enough pitching. I have not been this excited just to be a Ranger fan in nine years. I think this was the biggest day since they made the World Series or since they were in the World Series. Yeah, against the Cardinals. Yeah, this was probably the biggest day in franchise history over the last 10 years. I mean, it, it's the most historic offseason anyone in baseball has ever had in terms of just yeah. money spent. And they might not be... That's a crazy thing. They might not be done. Right. Like, they've brought in four guys, but they saying. still have if, a little bit of work to do to if, round out the roster. If they are done, it was a heck of a off season if they're not it just gets better and like they got this done before the lockout i don't know if i can stress how important that is because we don't know what contracts are going to look like on the back side you know if if the players are going to pick up ground in terms of their revenue share like we have no idea what's going to happen on the back side the fact that they got ink to paper on all four of these guys before Mm -hmm. before the lockout it's huge 
you know, hopefully, it's huge. Hopefully, in a couple of years, they can start picking up those veteran pieces like the Charlie Mortons of the world that yeah. really bring the team together. And and the last thing I was going to say on it is that so Corey Seager signed ten years, three twenty five. In order for the Dodgers to match the take home pay that Corey Seager is going to get in terms of where he's living, yeah, the Dodgers would have had to offer four hundred and one million. $76 million more just because of the state income tax. Wow. It's like the the Rangers are that team coming up. Their next man up, they don't have any money tied into players long-term before this. Mm-hmm. The last big contract to go was Chu. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, they, have, they have room. They have money to spend. They got a brand new stadium they want to fill. It's just, it's fun, man. It's a fun time to be a Rangers fan. A little tax incentive on top of it. Yeah. Never hurts. Like 7.5 million annually (laughs) incentive. Yeah, that adds up. I think that adds up over time. Yeah, it does. Yeah, good day, good good week, good 24 hours there for the Rangers as they sign many a people. But in the same time frame, not a great 24 hours for the Cowboys. Uh, no. In fact, not a great month for the Cowboys. And that just adds to what was the craziness of the fallout of the weekend because you had the college football, you had the coaches, then you had the Rangers, and then you have the Cowboys who laid a... I don't want to say they laid an egg, but they made the Raiders look way better than they actually are I was Thanksgiving. I, I thought that they were going to hold the Raiders to 13 points. I, oh, I thought sure. I thought there's no way the Raiders get in the end zone twice. God, they've been so bad for three weeks. I know. Oh, just terrible. And the the issue is that the Cowboys' defense, in terms of a whole unit, because Micah Parsons was still amazing, but in terms of oh, as a, as a incredible, in terms of as a whole unit, the Cowboys' defense reminded me of the past few years when they were the team that teams wanted to face to get out of the funk. Mm-hmm. Right? The Cowboys. The Cowboys could go. They could go anywhere. Face a team that was playing however bad, and that team would figure it out against the Cowboys. That's what happened on Thanksgiving with the Raiders. Yeah. And, you know, people say, oh, the Cowboys are missing this, you know, with Cooper and CD and this and that. It's like, well, the Raiders were missing quite a bit too. Uh, Yeah, like their head coach. Considering, yeah, they lost their head coach. Their top their, receiver. Their top receiver. And another first-round pick uh, on defense. What's his name? I don't remember. He got in trouble with gun thing that he posted oh. on Instagram. <laughs> Both of their 2020 first round picks are now off the team. Yeah. Their head coach is gone. And then Darren Waller gets hurt in the first half. Yep. They have nothing. They have nothing. You know what they had? They had Hunter Renfro in a dream, baby. They had less than the Rangers had before signing Semyon. <laughs> Although, to be fair, they did... You know, maybe the Raiders had the Cowboys in mind when they signed Deshaun Jackson because that dude owns the Cowboys. Yes. Like that dude, whatever Jerry Jones's share is, it, you know, plus 1%, <laughs> that's what Deshaun Jackson's share is because when that dude is on the field in Dallas, he it's is... incredible. It's vintage performance every week. It's incredible. I've never seen anything like it. Like you, you, you see guys that just own people in certain sports, whether it's like a pitcher-batter relationship or in some cases hockey, you see guys just dominate teams for whatever reason. Yeah. That's him against the Cowboys. Yeah. And like when the Rams let him go, the Raiders, it's like perfect timing for the Raiders because then the rugs thing happens. So they pick him up like, oh, there's our deep threat. And then, of course, he kills him like what first drive or whatever it was. He scored the first touchdown of the game. God. 
I mean, it's becoming like Vlad Sr. versus the Rangers. Yes. Where just it's just like, I mean, them. they should just sign him at this point. He, yes. he clearly loves playing here. Pay him to not beat you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, not only do you get better because he's going to look amazing like he's in his prime the whole season that oh he's here, God. but he's also not facing you. Uh, I mean, he will get hurt on you, but he doesn't against the Cowboys. Yeah. Now, the, the biggest story was the penalties. Oh, my goodness. This game was so brutal to watch for a while. Like, it got to halftime. I was like, it took like an hour 45 or something for the game to get to halftime. I think it was two hours. Was it two hours? Yeah. Oh, my God. Because I, I remember we wanted, we were expecting to sit down to eat at like 425, 430. Oh. And it was like five o'clock when we sat down. It was incredible. There were eight penalties in the first quarter alone. Yeah. And I thought there were a lot of penalties in the first game because I was kind of in and out on watching Bears the Bears Lions. Yeah, the Bears Lions. And it felt like there were a lot of penalties in that game. There were like 15. And so by the end of the first quarter, the Cowboys game, like, there's been 23 penalties accepted today. Like, what are we doing? Like, let's play the game. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, some of them you got to call. Some of them you're just like, eh, iffy. You know, the the false starts and the offsides, you know, those are kind of like givens. But, oh, my gosh, just hold here, hold there. And then the, you yeah, the million pass interference calls on Anthony Brown. Who had not been called for a penalty the entire season before that. Is that right? Not one. That's incredible. So yeah, there were twenty eight penalties called in this game. Now you had like the two or two offsides at the very end on the field goal, but that's just accepted. There were a number yeah. of declined penalties. There was one play where the Cowboys had two penalties, yeah. so they declined one of them. Yeah, one of them just got declined. And then there was, I think, there was a play with offsetting penalties. Right. Yeah. When the players got ejected from the game. Yes. Oh, so many penalties. I just, it was such a long game to watch. I'm like, this could have been a great game. And we're over here talking about penalties and refs and Anthony Brown and the Cowboys giving up a third and 18 in overtime. Yeah. We talk about that. No, can we not? Oh my goodness. And like, I expected it to be called, but then like, in of course, an extremely slow motion. It's like, yeah, it hit him in the helmet before he got there. Maybe if you want to argue that, but I'm like, he's not looking. He's already been called three times. Yeah. And they've thrown flags on every play. It's like, as, as soon as I saw the flag, go on the field at that moment i was like that's ball game yeah yeah ball for game. sure he put him deep in field goal range daniel carlson's been one of the better kickers this year yeah that's ball game and i'm just like man like that play happens and of course this is like the one game where i'm actually like really rooting for the cowboys and so now i'm getting frustrated with the penalties i'm like Ugh, i'm not rooting for the cowboys anymore which i'm not because they're done playing the afc west this year yeah but uh one and three yeah, six it, and one against everyone else. One and three against the AFC West. Yeah, and they won the first one mm-hmm. against what might have been the toughest game because the Chargers started the season so hot. Yeah, they caught Kansas City on a swell. Yeah, and well, yeah, they caught Kansas City playing better, and then they but caught the Raiders he. playing terrible. Yeah, and they still lost. And both. they caught the Broncos playing terrible. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, everybody catches the Broncos playing terrible. Am I right? You're not. <laughs> necessarily wrong by the way did you see that tidbit talking broncos real quick that patrick sertan jr mm. had a pick six yep. in denver for his first nfl touchdown yep and his dad who was playing for the dolphins at the time scored his first nfl touchdown on a pick six in denver they were both on their first yep oh both their God. first touchdowns in the nfl that's crazy in the same place what year was that 
Did oh, it I say? I can't remember, but it might have been the same week of the season. They might have both been week 12. It was probably like 2000-ish, something like that. I don't remember. Hmm. But I, I saw that. I thought that was really cool. I had to mention it. That is pretty cool. Yeah, his... Uh, <laughs> It was kind of a gift off of Eckler's hands, and he just caught it and sprinted. And I, I think I saw like next gen stats or whatever, and said it was the fastest and a defensive player's run this year. <laughs> he was so excited. Yeah, he was gone. Cause, yeah, because I saw Herbert trying to catch him, and I'm like, Herbert's pretty quick, and he just blew by him. And Herbert had no chance. At yeah, catching them on the angle, and yeah, it was pretty cool. If only Buda Baker ran that fast. <laughs> DK Metcalf never yeah. would have caught him. Yeah, DK. DK might have might have caught. Dude, by there. the way, quick side bit before we get into me guessing the spreads. How bad is Seattle? I mean, they can't. Uh, Russell Wilson's back has been for weeks, and they can't score. They're terrible. They are beyond terrible. Actually, terrible is putting it nicely. And the only reason they were in that game was that Monday night game or Sunday night game. Monday night game. Yeah, it was Monday. The only reason they were in that game was because Joey Sly got hurt. Yeah. Because they couldn't kick the field goal at the end of the game. Uh, they had like a fourth and goal from like the three. And they could have just kicked it, gone up 11, game over. Instead, they go for it. Play gets overturned. They don't get it. Seattle goes down the field. And for some reason, Slane is like wide open in the middle of the field with like 20 seconds left. And he walks in for a touchdown. And then they don't get the two-point conversion. But, dude, they're bad. They are bad, and Russ might want out. I mean, we heard the rumors last year. Yeah, and but it's not getting any better. Correct. You it's, know, because I mean, you you can at least look at the at the Aaron Rodgers and the Packers situation and say it's like, hey, like they might be the best team in the league, right? Or or at least a top five team, undoubtedly. It's hard to leave that. Yeah, and so you know maybe they haven't spent every draft pick the way that you wanted them to, but you can't deny how good the team is and also how good of a fit it is for you. Right. And so, you know, maybe the Packers just kind of outweighing Aaron Rodgers in the offseason going into the preseason. Maybe he might actually end up staying there because I know they had like a handshake agreement that they were going to trade him after the year. But you know that when they go to shake hands again, mm-hmm. that Green Bay is going to squeeze extra hard and be like, are you sure? Yes. Jordan Love's not ready. Right. And Seattle's going the other way. It's already the most losses Russ has ever had. And yeah, Pete Carroll probably. It's it's the worst season they've had since twenty. 11 10 one of the two you know it's been like a decade and it's, it's not rough. getting any better it's rough a uh, couple quick notes on tomorrow's saints cowboys game yeah so the cowboys have all the covid stuff no mccarthy uh no terrence Steele. did you see tristan hill got suspended a game one game i heard i i saw that it was two and the league reduced it to one yeah for punch after the game, which yeah, whatever, so inconsistent on that stuff. Because Kadarius Tony threw a punch and barely got looked at. Yeah, um, Amari Cooper. It looks like he's gonna be back. Yep. By according to today, it also looks like Alvin Kamara is gonna be back. Oh really? What he, about uh uh Kamara? So Ingram has logged full practices Ingram. the last two okay. the last two days, but Kamara has logged like partial practices. So he's more of a game time decision than Ingram. Ingram's in for sure. Okay. Uh, but it looks like Kamara's going to play as well. Cool. All right. So Cooper should be back, but I think Cedric Wilson might be out. So okay. they might swap those two this week. But um, CD should be back. Yeah, from yeah. His concussion C- protocol. CD's back. Yeah. Wilson has an ankle injury. I think that he suffered last week. Um, and the biggest note 
which I think is in the best interest of the Cowboys, Taysom Hill is going to start. And I think he's terrible. I, I don't know what to think. You know, because it, it, it's what you were saying is like you lose your head coach and like any any team can have momentum for a week, right? And right. So like, yeah, you could rally Taysom, for yeah, a week. They they Taysom Hill, the Saints, they could rally for a week or two here, and it might just be terrible timing for the Cowboys to go in New Orleans. <laughs> yes, because this could be the Saints' rally time because the Saints have been even you know just as bad as the Cowboys over the last month. Yeah, they the Saints were five and two, and the Cowboys were six and one. They had a big win. Was it the comeback win against Tampa? Did they beat Tampa? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, uh, they beat Tampa. Yeah, they beat Tampa Bay. That was when I was in Atlanta, and it was, um, th- and they went to five and two, and yeah. they've lost four straight. The Cowboys won in three in their last four, and their only win was with a backup quarterback, where the defense might have had its best performance of the season. It's like neither of these teams are playing well, and both of these teams need to kick it into gear because specifically, if the Cowboys lose this game, the Washington Football Team controls its own destiny. <laughs> amazing i'm serious if 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 this if the new orleans saints win to, tonight tomorrow night thursday december 2nd the washington football team can win out and win the nfc east they're not gonna win and out, it doesn't but... matter what the cowboys do if the cowboys lose both games to the football team which by the way are weeks 14 and 16 like it's coming up right after the saints game that's crazy but the washington football team is that close it's a one-off performance in new orleans away from controlling its own destiny to the to the division title. I think the Cowboys need to be worried about the wildcat formations and the weird formations because they haven't planned on it probably. Well, I mean, nobody nobody plays pistol right in the NFL. That's why it could be weird for a week or two is that right there because you're not scared of the targets he's throwing to. Nope. You know, you, you just worry about Kamara. You worry about him running and you kind of just live with him making throws and if he makes throws he makes throws but i'd much rather see trevor Simeon if i was a saints fan of course they probably won't agree right now because of how they've been doing but at least Simeon has shown something like i don't think i've ever seen anything out of Taysom hill over the course of i mean we were talking about him where like he signed a a pretty big contract extension it was like four years guaranteed was like 45 and if he becomes the Saints starting quarterback for the next four years it's up to 95 million right and like I just I don't understand I don't understand how a quarterback can be worth 24 million a year if he loses quarterback battles to Teddy Bridgewater (laughs) Trevor Simeon and Jameis Winston I don't understand how that dude could be worth 24 million a year he's not but I guess they feel desperate because nothing's going right. Man, and Sean Payton, desperate. When, when did we ever think we'd hear that? But they have nobody to throw to. They have nobody. Yeah, because right when Michael Thomas looked like he was coming back, he got hurt. God, they, it's it's a mess over there, and I don't think Taysom Hill's going to f- figure it out anytime soon. But yeah, if the Cowboys lose, they will be officially in trouble for the first time all season. For the first time all season. By you know, the way... Taysom Hill didn't even play last week. Not not for quarterback, but at all. Yeah. He had a, like a foot injury or something. But now all of a sudden he's back and ready to play. <laughs> he was their emergency quarterback last week. Or their backup, I guess. I don't know. Whatever you want to call it. But Interesting. He didn't even like play at all. So we'll see. <laughs> he could he could very well get injured on a Parsons sack and then we see Semyon come in. <laughs> Who knows? Be interesting. But yeah, I'm well, let's keep talking about that game briefly as I try and guess the spreads here. Ooh, spread, spread. Okay. That is our first game. Thursday night, the 
the uh, patented week after Thanksgiving Thursday night game for the Cowboys, which I don't know if people have caught on, but the Dallas opponent the week after always plays on Thanksgiving. I don't know if people have caught on to that. Um, Dallas at Nolens. I'm going to guess. Speaking of which, the Mavericks are in New Orleans right now. Ho, ho, ho. That, that should be a win. Whoa! Ho. I'm gonna double dip. I'm gonna guess. Speaking of double dip, I'm gonna guess <laughs> that the Cowboys are favored, and that the Mavs were also favored. Uh, probably yes. Um, so the question is, by how much? Without Mike McCarthy, does that move the betting line positive or negative? I don't know. Without Trevor Simeon, does that move the betting line positive <laughs> or negative? I don't know. Or do they just cancel out? <laughs> it, like I have, I have no idea. This game. I mean. Realistically speaking, this game is between two of the ten worst teams from November. Oh, terrible! Like, like you're talking one and three versus zero oh and four over the last four or five weeks of NFL football here. Yeah. Like this, I don't know what to say in terms of of betting line. I'm just gonna say Cowboys by five is the is the line. Cowboys by four and a half. I'm on the boys, and on that was close. On the two boys. things that I wanted to be. I you know I really hope. Because New Orleans seems to be a place that Dak just can't play well. I don't know what it is, yeah. but it seems like every time that he goes to New Orleans, he gets shut down. I just I hope that he at least plays well. They have a really good defense, but a defense that's been taxed because the offense can't stay on the field. And I was gonna say like the defense can be had. Yeah, like that defense can be got. Because it was ten nothing at half last week against Buffalo, and they never had a chance. Yeah. Uh, Sunday Night Football, the flex, the flex of the week, which actually got announced last week. The Denver Broncos at the Kansas City Chiefs with first place on the line in the AFC West. Everybody's over 500. That's the only division, right? The only division in football. Everyone's over 500. Uh, probably, I would imagine. Because I think the Browns losing to the Ravens put them at 500. Uh, I will double check while you guess. I think they're 6-6. Six and six. I don't think they've had their bye until this week. Who's that? The Browns? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's still some teams that need to uh, sit out a week. Yeah, the Browns and Steelers are 500. Because the That's Steelers right, have a 5-5-1. Unbelievable. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, so the AFC West, only only division with all four teams over 500 right now. 6-5, and 6-5, 6-5, 7-4. and, five, six and, five, seven and four. <laughs> It's amazing. I'm, I'm going to guess that the Chiefs are favored big. Because um, they are starting, it seems, to put it together both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, holding the Cowboys in nine points is pretty impressive. Even even though the Cowboys are missing a couple of players, it's like you're still facing a top 10 quarterback. And the Broncos are coming off a win they shouldn't have got, which means they are due for a dud. <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> they're going to they win do, one, lose one. They're going to do what they did when they beat the Cowboys. It's just the Denver the do-si-do. What can you say? Yeah. Um, We're consistent. I'm going to say it's Chiefs by six and a half. It is Chiefs. By 10. Whoa. He was on Denver. Double digits? Double digits, man. Vegas don't play around with the Chiefs. That seems a bit much, though. Double digits? Well, all they do is got to get to 20 and they'll cover. Well, that's not necessarily <laughs> true. It's, it's, a, it's a division game, though. Like, things happen in division games. That's true. Mahomes could dislocate his knee again on a quarterback's well, knee. Well, let's hope that he doesn't get hurt. Oh, sorry. Let's just hope that he plays like an idiot. Oh, I didn't say he was, I didn't want him to get hurt. I just said it could happen. Yeah, it could enough. happen. Monday Night Football, New England Patriots at the Buffalo Bills. Now, this this game 
is the most important game that has happened in the entire NFL this season. This is like the first primetime game I've actually been interested because, in in like a month. Because until the Ravens somehow beat the Browns on Sunday Night Football, even though Lamar Jackson played one of the worst games of his career, God. until the results <laughs> of that game, the Patriots were the one seed in the AFC. Yeah, they're now two, I guess. Yeah, they're the yeah. two seed. But if they beat the Bills here... That's a big, big statement. Not only... It's big money. Not only is it a big statement for the Patriots... It's a gut check moment for the entire Bills franchise. What have we been building? We just we just spent fifty million a year on Josh Allen for the next five years. Who is he? Like, if they lose this game, this is the home game. This is the Bills' home game. Yeah, you're supposed to win this game. If the Patriots come into town off of a six-game winning streak, right now winning that AFC East division, if the Patriots come into town and beat you, what does that say? That's big. Like, this game is so much more important for the Patriots. I'm sorry, for the Bills than it is the Patriots. Like, the Bills need this game. The Patriots don't. The Patriots weren't supposed to win that division. This was supposed to be the Bills division until Mac Jones developed. Yes, crazy. Mac Jones hasn't developed yet, and the Patriots are winning the division. Here's two things for you. Patriots are on a six-game win streak. And Tredavious White's hurt. And Yes, he's out for the year. And the Patriots are 5-0 and on the road. Yes, Five and oh. I think specifically on narrative alone, this game is, you know, because we we had the conversation weeks ago about Rams versus Bucks. Like how that was the Rams Super Bowl. That was their measuring mm-hmm. stick game. And pretty much ever since that moment, they've had letdown after letdown. Yep. This is the Bills measuring stick game here. Because it's not the Bills that have the greatest coach of all time. It's not the Bills that have a six game winning streak. And it's not the Bills that weren't supposed to win the division. Right. Like, the Bills have to win this game. I think on, on narrative alone, I'm going to say it's Bills by two. Two and a half. Two and a half? So I'm on the Patriots. Yeah. Okay. New England. New England. Yep. Bills are two and a half point favorites at home. Bills are 3-0 and in the division. Patriots are 2-1. and one. Who rigged this game, by the way? the guess the spreads where every week that i do it we have either the cowboys or the broncos or both of them in prime time oh, yeah, that's right. so we you get it. all the wild card or games. bye week yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm over here i'm over here and i get, I get like one wild card a week i get to pick and you get three yeah I don't so know. what that's weird what wretched matchups have you chosen for I me don't now know. we'll just have to find out the first one so this was the other option. For I swear, the, if both teams are under 500, I'm not. Uh, no, I, I gave you at the best matchups possible. Thank you. I didn't go like Jags, Jets, or something. Uh, this was the other option for the Sunday Night Flex. Chargers at Bengals. Now, this game is incredibly interesting for reasons that don't impact the AFC playoff picture. This is Joe Burrow versus Justin Herbert. Yeah. The two best quarterbacks from last year's draft class. True that. Matching up in year two. Like, we get a chance to see head to head who's going to play big in those big moments, who's going to make the mistake. Because both of them have been turnover happy at, at, at points this season. Oh, man. Chargers at Bengals. The Bengals ceiling looks higher. It Be- does. Because when the, when the Bengals are playing their best football, both sides of the ball are dominant. They're, they're scoring close to 40, and they're holding you to 10. They're plus 83. The only game that the Chargers have looked dominant both sides of the ball was against the Ravens. It's the only game. Yeah. Every other game that they've been in, I mean, the the Browns game was like 49 to 42. 
you know, they don't play complementary football at the same level that the Bengals can. Yeah, and they've been reeling recently. So I ha- I have to say that the Bengals are favored because it's in Cincy, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say the Bengals are favored. I'm going to say it's four and a half. Uh, Bengals are favored by three. Okay, so I'm on the Bengals. Bengals by three. By the, the, by the way, I noticed this because I have both Herbert and Burrow on a fantasy team. But, you know, how fantasy football is not reflective of reality at all. Yeah. The Bengals had a dominating game, scored, what was it, 40, 41 points. Mm-hmm. Joe Burrow scored 14 fantasy points. Yeah, because I kept The Chargers lost by 15, scored 13 points. Herbert had 19 fantasy points. Yeah. So it's like... I just I, I found that dichotomy to be interesting. Just let's how just, the game unfolds. Let's sometimes. just let's just say that. Uh, all right, next the aforementioned football team of Washington. They control their own destiny if the Cowboys lose. At the dominating overtime win that they had, the Las Vegas Raiders. Ooh, this is exactly the type of game that Washington is going to go out there and win. Specifically because the Cowboys just lost <laughs> to this very team. Or do the Raiders lose it because they just won? I mean... They it go could, full Broncos on it. It could go both ways, right? But I, I just... I feel like all the momentum here is on Washington. All the momentum here in this game is on Washington. I, I would agree. Uh, it's in Sin, Vegas? Yeah, Sin City. <sighs> the question is, do the, do the betters believe that Washington is at least three points better than Vegas on a neutral field? I'm going to say no. So I'm going to say that Vegas is still favored by a point, but I'm picking the Washington football team to win this game outright. Well, you're on Washington anyway because Vegas is favored by two and a half. Okay, two and a half. So it's basically the home field advantage pick them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think Washington's going to win that game outright. And it might be by a touchdown. I wouldn't be surprised. They're hot. I think it could be one of those low scoring. Well, Washington plays a lot of low scoring games. But yeah, if they win like 20 to 16 or something, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, they just beat the Buccaneers a couple weeks ago, 28 to 19. Yeah, weird, man. It's been a weird month. Maybe now that December hit, we'll actually get, we'll actually know who's good. Uh, all right, last game, what used to be like the biggest must-watch rivalry in the NFL. Is it Steelers-Ravens? It is Steelers-Ravens okay. at Pittsburgh. Ooh. My, okay. My, if Baltimore plays the way that they've played their last three games, they will lose this game. Because there is there is some unseen force <laughs> that if a game is a coin flip, the Steelers will win 95% of coin flips. Baltimore is like terrible in some of these games. But Baltimore has found a way I know, it's to, to just you know squeeze the game at the very end and get those last points. I mean, just think think about, you know, three of their wins this year. They play their worst game on offense mm-hmm. and beat the Browns, who have dropped 40 multiple times. They lose to the Lions. They straight up lose the game to the Lions. Mm-hmm. And then the greatest kicker in the history of the sport hits the greatest kick in the history of the sport and, to bail them out. And they converted like a fourth and 20 or something ridiculous. Hey, diddle diddle. Yeah on that drive they get blown out at home by the Bengals. the only game that didn't go their way was week one that crazy monday night game against the raiders where the raiders that's right had it on the goal line and there was that zay jones deep ball to end the game 
Well, the Raiders had it on the goal line ready to win, and they got a false start penalty. So they went back five yards, and then Carr threw an interception. That's right. And then they eventually got the ball back and won. But Yeah. (laughs) That's like the only game that hasn't gone the Ravens way. Because the other game I was going to mention is they lost – to the Bears. Now, this, you know, keep in mind, you know, this is backup quarterback. Lamar Jackson was sick, didn't play. And then the backup quarterback leads them on a game-winning drive in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. You know, is is like the the luck that Baltimore has had this year might actually overcome the general franchise luck that the Steelers typically have. They've only given up more than 17 four times. And three of them went to overtime. They played three overtime games. Wow. I could see this game going to overtime. Might as I could well. see this game going to overtime at like 16 to 16. At like zero to zero. No, that would be... Would that be Scorigami? <laughs> yeah, finishes 2 nothing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, by the way, important to mention that two of Seattle's 15 points last week were because they blocked an extra point and oh, ran it back. Yeah, that's right. So they only scored 13. Yeah, it's true. Um, man, it, it it's in Baltimore, in Pittsburgh. It's in Pittsburgh, so it's Baltimore at Pittsburgh. I I feel like the Ravens have to be the favorites in this game, but I'm gonna say it's Ravens by point five, zero point five, <laughs> just point five. A pick 'em. Yeah. Uh, it is Baltimore by four and a half. Four and a half. Yeah, on Dang. the road. The, nope. better, the betters are not respecting that Pittsburgh luck, man. Well, Pittsburgh looked terrible last week, so that might... So did Baltimore. Yeah, but Pittsburgh lost looking terrible. <laughs> At least Baltimore, Baltimore won. Yeah, but Baltimore should have. <laughs> okay? It should count for something that they should have lost and didn't. Well, they both looked terrible. One lost by a million, and one won the game. So I guess that's the difference. I don't know. I don't know. I don't make the rules. But whatever. Speaking of which, weird schedule quirk. The Browns play the Ravens two weeks in a row. Oh, because of the bye in the middle? Because they have a bye in the middle. Interesting. They play them, bye, play them again. Well, I guarantee the Browns (laughs) are losing next week too, so. That's amazing. Play the same team two weeks in a row with a bye in the middle. Yeah, weird. Has Baker Mayfield played himself out of a contract extension? Uh probably at least the big big one you know maybe they'll give him something small but or small as in years um i don't know it's weird because that his left arm is like barely hanging on so they always have the fifth year option isn't that this year was that this year no is that next year it's either next year or the year after. well they would have already activated it yeah i don't know that'll be interesting See how many years he gets because I'm sure somebody out there will get him because he's there's some bad quarterbacks out there. So yeah, that's kind of that weird scenario where you're like, well, he's probably not the guy, but he's better than what we're gonna have. You know, he's better than the alternative. It's, is he better than Case Keenum? Is is a hurt Baker Mayfield better than a healthy uh, Case Keenum? Hurt? I don't know, but everybody, you always assume a guy's gonna be healthy, which. It's dangerous with some guys. I'm talking about the last three weeks and the next three weeks. Oh, I'm talking about like the next three years. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. It's funny how we see teams. Some teams will play one way. Some will play it another way. And you kind of really can tell their views on stuff. Yeah. Which is why, to come full circle here, which is why I am so in love with what the Rangers are doing right now. They are 
going for it Mm -hmm. now obviously as you were saying earlier like it takes time you have to pace yourself as a fan in terms of expectations they're not going to win the world series because they signed Corey seager right you're looking at 2024 maybe to really get an idea if this team can do something big but the last time that the rangers got a free agent of this caliber was a rod yeah i mean realistically adrian beltre turned into a player of this caliber but was not a free agent of this caliber no he was coming off a one year like prove it deal with boston yeah and i i'm guilty of you know back when beltre signed with the rangers i thought that his numbers were inflated because of the monster which i mean like realistically they were but what i didn't realize is he was that skilled that he just used the monster because it was there and right. then the, the second he got in a different ballpark, he changed his game to match the ballpark. Like, I mean, he's an all-time great. Yeah. But not to get too off track. But I did I did want to mention that full circle moment of you can see how teams think, you know, what their vision for the future is based on the decisions that they make, you know, and, and words only go so far at a certain point. It's like, you know, what, what do you do? Because, you know, they can say that they trust Baker Mayfield. But they're not throwing the ball on third and five. No, they're run first team, and they've relied on Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb all these years, and that's their identity. Yep. They, I think they knew that they can't rely on Baker to be that guy to carry them to wins every week. Now, can he occasionally do it? Sure. But I think anybody can occasionally do it. I actually can't think of a single game this year that the Browns won because Baker played great. Right, I can or it think was like of a shootout. Or I can something. think of games that they won that he did play pretty well, but I can't think of a single game like the one game would have been the Chargers game. If there if there was one game that like Baker Mayfield's performance mm-hmm. would have changed, it could have been that one. Yeah, forty seven to forty two loss. Yeah, it just I can't think of a single game that Baker has been the positive force that impacted the outcome, like. Like, I mean, we, t- we talk about, like, Dak Prescott, for example. Like, what game this year have the Cowboys won because of Dak? Because when you're missing your top receivers or you're missing an offensive lineman, that's when you need your star quarterback to be a star. Mm-hmm. They're one and three. What game have they won this year because of Dak? Uh, well, he missed one. Um... Yeah, they won without him. A tough road well, game against and, a team that might make the playoffs. And his, like, Bakers would have been Tampa, or Tampa, or not Tampa, uh, Chargers. Now, I Dak do, would have been Tampa. Well, but And that's the thing. I think that Dak did enough in that game to win the game. The defense just didn't get the stop at the end. They just gave Brady too much time. Maybe New England. He threw for 445. <laughs> but, but, but a lot of that was in overtime, and Trevon Diggs made the play that kept him in the game. The Cowboys, yeah. the Cowboys were dead. In that game, they were dead, and the ball bounces off of Kendrick Bourne's hands. Yeah, and Trevon Diggs just catches it and takes it to the house. Right place, right time. I mean, it was a big play. But the game was over. There was like two forty left in the game, and the Patriots were driving. That would have been a first down if Kendrick Bourne just catches it. That game was over. Now you do have to make the most of your opportunities when they come, and Dak certainly did that. So I'll give you that one. Yeah. 445. We'll, but that, we'll but that's it. still a coin flip. It's like, I mean, he shouldn't have had the opportunity to win that game, but he did. But he did win the game, that so was, I give you that one. That was the most passing yards, right, ever against Bill Belichick? Yes. Yeah, that's crazy. 
So I'll give him one. I'll give him one because none of the others really stand out that like he was the difference. Because Carolina, they were up big and kind of got close. New York, they were up big. Philly up big. Chargers, they only scored 20. Minnesota didn't play. And that was the Tony Pollard game, the Chargers game. Tony Pollard yeah. had 109 yards rushing on 13 carries. Yeah. And he had like five catches out of the backfield. And then anybody could have beat the Falcons that week. Yeah. Because it's the Falcons. Yeah. Meanwhile, you look around the league, and let's go to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Like, they went into Arizona against a full-strength Cardinals team, missing 11 of their 22 starters, <laughs> and they won. Mm-hmm. That's Aaron Rodgers. Like, that's what a top quarterback in right. the league does. When he's missing all that, of his that, receivers. At least that's what he's capable of doing. And the one argument against Dak is he has never been that. He's never been that. He's never been, we're missing everybody, watch me. And to be honest, I don't expect him to be. And he doesn't that's a hard have, breed to reach. And he doesn't have to be when the game is on script. But the problem is what happens when, I mean, like the Giants were in town, for example, and Saquon gets hurt on the first drive. Mm-hmm. It's like, what, ha- what happens? What happens when Amari Cooper's out? Oh, we go 0-2. CD gets concussed, we can't even score. Right, can't move the ball, yeah. It just looks out of whack. And yeah, guys like Rodgers and Brady, they don't they don't get flustered. Hey, to be fair, the Bucks don't look the same without Gronk. Yeah, that's true. So he had like, a big game. you know, and that could be Brady showing his age. You know, because back in New England, it was oh, we're gonna win the division and be a, a contender for the one seed. It almost didn't matter who else was on the field. Yeah, just get Gronk healthy. Yeah, <laughs> as they cruise to a division title. Yeah. Interesting. So so to be fair, I can't even say that Brady's been that guy. We all know Stafford hasn't been that guy. Definitely not. I mean, that stat that I shared with that group earlier, the Detroit Lions had a better record in November than the than the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah. Hey man. Lions on the rise. You watch out for them Lions. I mean, you should slow that talk down you immediately. Watch out. It was it was a fun tidbit and nothing else. They might go two and fifteen one of these years. And when they do you heard it here first. Well, that was after the Rangers signed Marcus Simeon. There was a tweet and it was, you know, somebody just made up a statement that didn't happen. But it was it was of Chris Woodward, like looking all serious. And it was like, if you didn't love us when we were 60 and 102, don't love us when we're 67 and 95. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny because because to, to what we were saying earlier, you know, one guy doesn't move the needle that much in baseball. Yeah. Two or three guys. Now we're talking. Right. But. Yep. Got to get that that train moving in the right direction. Yeah. Just incredible, man. What a week. What a week. We didn't even get to Brian Kelly or Lincoln Riley. No, we'll do that next week because that's... What a week. There are probably more. There's more to probably happen. Who knows what else could happen with coaches and whatnot, especially after this weekend's games. Yeah. God, that's crazy. Yeah, what a, what a week. It's just... I, I, you know, what a time to be alive. People are just... The sports gods were giving this week. They were they were in the festive spirit. And we were thanking. Yes, we were. And that was the Thanksgiving that was happening. It was just like update after update. I'm like, what else could possibly happen, especially in this area? Well, I'll tell you what else happened. LeBron got COVID. Ooh. Ooh. That that also happened. Ooh. Bron Bron. And we saw the two te- the two best teams in the NBA so far face each other. And the Suns won. Yeah. And now they're night. both eighteen and three. The only other thing that could happen is that Kyrie gets vaccinated and returns to the Nets. That it, if, if that happens before we go live next week, then we just might have to call the show because 
we're just not going to top the 10 days that have transpired here oh from Thanksgiving God. until. Yeah, that would be the ultimate exclamation point. Because even Neymar got hurt for what it's worth. <laughs> oh, did you see? Okay, we can end with this because this was amazing last night. Did you see the England women's soccer team? No, no. What did, what did I miss? Yesterday, I, I'm guessing it was yesterday. They played a World Cup qualifier. So like an actual... Like a, a match f- that matters. Yeah. They were playing Latvia. Okay. Latvia is not very good. Typically. They played a month ago. Okay, we'll start with this. They played a month ago. England won 10 nothing. Ooh, okay. double digits in soccer. That's, yes. That's unheard of. Guess what the score was yesterday. Did they tie? No. Did Latvia win? <laughs> that would be incredible. That would actually be less incredible than what I'm about to tell you. Less incredible. England won 20 to nothing. 20? <laughs> 20. 20. Guess how many shots? Dude, England women's team out here playing the wrong type of football to score 20. So, okay, there's a lot of things to this, but guess how many shots they had? Not on goal, but just shot attempts. Oh, 40 at least. 63. 63. Guess how many were on goal, which isn't as incredible, but 40-ish? 30. I mean, dude, and 60, 20 of them went in. 63 shots? I watched... That's a sh- that's more than a shot every 90 seconds. I watched probably about half the goals. Did they have 90% possession time, too? 86. Oh, my God. Latvia had zeros across the board as far as shots. Shots on goal, obviously, goals. Um, The only stat, you know, like the main stats that they show were fouls. <laughs> they had two fouls. <laughs> Each team had two fouls, but the rest were zeros. And then 14% possession. That is amazing. I was like 20 to nothing. So I was like, okay, well, let me see how bad I'm, Latvia I'm is. I'm willing to bet that at least 10% of the 14% of possession was simply those shots missed. Yes. And it's sitting Goal on the goalkeeper kick. line. Okay. And he's kick, yeah, and she's kicking it out. So there was a viral video that went out. And this was probably 75th minute. I don't even really remember. Ball sitting on the goal line or on yeah. the, for the goal kick. Girl goes to kick it. And the ball basically just goes, like, nowhere. So, you know, like, they can usually get to midfield easily, if not further. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, some of them are kicking it, like, halfway. She might have gotten it, like, she kicked it diagonally, like, out of bounds. Okay. It may have went. It was a muffed punt. Yeah. It it was just a Extended, it went, like, 10 yards maybe past the goal box. So, she just shanked it. Wide. Maybe, or I don't even know how far she was kicking it normally. So maybe it really wasn't, even though everybody was backed up. I don't know, but it just, it looked like she didn't, she had never kicked a soccer ball in her life. (laughs) It was the goalie. I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. So I went and looked up Lavia to see like what their previous scores were. Yeah. They haven't won a game in two and a half years internationally. That's rough. It's probably like 0 and 10 or something. And the scores weren't as bad as I thought. So it was like 10 nothing. It's really just England that. Yeah, like, if they play, like, a major, major country, it gets out of control. But when they play, like, Estonia and Lithuania or something, the Baltics, they have, like, a Baltic tournament. Uh, It was reasonable, I guess, like, 4-1, I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. There were a couple, Score lines you see in the sport. Yeah, there were a couple, like, 7-0s or something in there. But I was like, man, that's bad. But, yeah, I saw England beat them last month. I'm like... You know what you're in for. Yeah. Why don't you call off the dogs? Like they had probably seven goals after the first, after the 75th minute or something. Like I don't even know. Because normally when you have a game like that, the first half is out of control and the second half you just kind of get through it. Yeah. 
It was eight nothing at half. So they scored more in the second half. Yes. So what that has to be is that England wasn't playing all their starters. Bingo. And the backups just had, like, this is their time yes. to score a goal for the national team. Yes, and I don't think they put the backups in that other game, but they put them in this game, and they, I was listening to the highlights, and there were short clips. The announcer was like, it's a night of firsts, because, like, four girls scored their first. Their first national goal. Yes. Yeah, because <laughs> that, that, that's exactly, yeah. They're all out there because yes. that's an opportunity. They might never get that opportunity again. Right. So they're I can't, out there trying to score. I and, can't even blame them. But then I'm like, oh my god, it's twenty to nothing. Like I feel so bad. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> After it, you just beat them ten to nothing, like you know you're gonna just gonna cakewalk. At at a certain point, even at the professional level, like enough is kind of enough. Yes, like seventy fifth, eightieth minute, you just start wasting the clock and whatever maybe even let them have the ball like jesus like they're not gonna do anything with it <laughs> yeah by the way i want to start normalizing the term intercontinental competition because like you there's a decent case to be made that you could call the english premier league international competition or you you could even call mls international competition because yeah, the players that are on the field are from all over right right and but but the thing is like when you get to the champions league that's just a Europe thing. So that's still international competition. But when you get to FIFA, you know, you, you compete internationally yeah. to compete intercontinentally. Right. And I it, like, it's just, it's, it's a thing particularly, you know, cause last week I ended the show with Rocky League Esports. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again because next week, next week, starting actually probably while we're recording on December 8th is when the, is when the land event starts in Sweden, they keep calling it international international mm -hmm. right it's like well europe is a region and like you got french teams versus uk teams versus spanish teams it's like they're competing internationally all the time yeah so like even north america you got a team that moved up here from argentina to compete in north america it's like they're not an international like that's an intercontinental transfer right. and yeah. so like i just i want to start normalizing the term intercontinental competition because i mean it like how much more epic does that sound Write a like, letter to FIFA. I should. Do it. I should. Like you know a what? Strongly worded one. I'm gonna get started right now. With some vocab in there. With that would get their brain flowing. Yeah. Which by the way, I hadn't played Rocket League in a couple months and I started playing again like last week. And so I got re ranked, you know, new season, whatever. Mm-hmm. I was like, Man, I'm probably gonna be really rusty. And so I got ranked and like standard you know whatever diamond normal okay uh my snow day was lower than it should have been i'm actually pretty good in snow day but my rumble <laughs> i i didn't really keep track of if i was winning or how i was playing i was just playing yeah and then it ranked me and i i got ranked into champion let's go which i had been in champion but i've never been ranked there initially at the beginning of a season right it's usually yeah. mid diamond then i work my way up it was just like nah you're champion i'm like Huh. Huh. And now I'm champ or champion. Uh yeah, now I'm champion too, actually. Quick little side story here on Rocket League. I'm now grand champion too. Uh Ooh. like like oh, that's right, because there's no more just grand champ. It's yeah, it it's Grand out. Champ one, Grand Champ two, Grand Champ three, and then Supersonic Legends. Supersonic you pretty much have to be professional level. Maybe to, that's to get why Supersonic I got Legends. ranked higher because there's more No. No? No, oh. they rank reset down. And so like typically 
Like if you're if you're stuck at a skill level, you will stay at that rank. Okay, I thought maybe they readjusted like, it because there's more. No, levels the now. the fact that you're getting ranked higher means that you are improving. Oh, um, good. Because the rank levels when they reset the ranks, it's based around like percentile. Okay. And so that means that you're getting further out on the bell curve. But I was gonna mention that I played against and with two people who are pros in the last month was it standard or uh one of them was ranked and one of them was just casual but like three on three mm-hmm. yeah yeah three v three uh musty a musty cow which is a hilarious name <laughs> he has over 2.6 million youtube subscribers and he's the sub for nrg which is the best team in north america i played with him for like seven or eight straight games and then like, fire oh you played with him yeah with and against that was oh, that yeah. was the casual but then fire did you like who won a, shots everywhere? <laughs> i tried i did i owned him we lo- we won one game i was mvp against him uh but then there's another guy fire who was the sub for e united when they went to the world championship in season eight and he also won a college rocket league championship that i actually attended at the esports arena in Arlington, mm-hmm. I faced him and ranked and I beat him. So I did it for the boys at UNT who yeah. he knocked out of the tournament. I Take did it for the that. boys. Send him back to where he came from. Anyway, if you're listening to this and you've never played Rocket League, give it a shot. It's yeah. worth it, man. You it's might, so much you fun. You get ranked in a champion like me. Nah, it's going to take a while. Oh. And I'm not even that good. Well, I'm, a, I'm pretty good at Rumble. I'm pretty good at Rumble. I'll, I'll, I will admit. Rumble's basically how well you understand the objective. And yeah, the tools that it gives you to It's more to strategy, I think, incentivized, yeah. and I like yeah. that. Dude, it is such a great way to pass the time, though. Yeah. You hop into a game, it takes you like six, seven minutes, you're out. That's all the time commitment it takes. Like six, if, I seven ever, minutes. if I ever make it a champion in standard, I'm really doing work, but that's probably never going to happen. But I have made it in Snow Day and Rumble. So. You just got to believe. You just got to believe. Uh, I'd, I'd actually have to like play enough. You say that because like I, I get bored with one game type and then I'll switch. Yeah. So like I rotate the game types. If I just stuck with that, I maybe I could do it. But I don't. I don't think you have to. I, don't, I, don't, I think I don't, if if you're progressing at the at the level that you're already progressing, I think you're fine. But I also play a lot of snow day, and it's different because in the ball and the puck, it's not is, even a ball. It's the physics of the game is completely different. Right, and the ball's not in the air where like the puck is. Yeah. Or the ball's in the air. Puck's usually not really in the air that much. And yeah, it's a different game. Rocket League, man. Yeah. Love it. It is. It is interesting. And we will end with that. And we will see you after Cowboys Saints tomorrow. Good luck, Cowboys. You're going to need it.